Thanks for tuning in to Day 3 of Conversations with Brent Draft Day Special. Before we get started, some of you may know that I was inducted into the Cincinnati Semi-Pro Football Hall of Fame last year. If you watch Days 1 and 2, you'll see some guys that are future Hall of Famers. If not, you can catch the link below or go to the channel to watch it. Today, we're going to see a guy who they said was not good enough to be drafted, but he is a Hall of Famer. The next pick is in with the 68th pick of the 2013 draft. The Cleveland Browns select cornerback Leon McFadden, San Diego State. Dog pound. Dog pound. Tell us what was that day like, man? Where do I start? It was a roller coaster. I can say that. It was. um. It was a day that I like. I, I remember like it was yesterday. Uh, a long day too. At that, right. I I remember going back to um, it was my dad's birthday as well. Oh wow! Um, yeah, uh, it was his birthday. We uh, did a whole kind of draft party with the assumption of going on the second day. That's what that's what the assumption was. That's what the prediction was. Was me to go on, on the second day, but um, we it, it happened to fall on my dad's birthday, so we had a you know, to celebrate my dad's birthday. And, you know, this is the day that my, this is where I started my new journey, the next chapter of life. So my, in my professional career, it was, um, it was like the, the second, there was a, the start of the, the second round and uh, I was watching the draft and then I was looking at my phone. I, I had a, I had a phone from my agent and I had my regular phone and I was like, I'm not getting no calls. And I was told throughout the whole process, like, you know, supposed to be going here and there and then seeing other guys get off the board, go off the board and in front of me, especially in my position, right. I was like, oh man, you know, dang, I, this team said this and this is what I heard this and that, that, that. So, I mean, I understood it, it can go any way, but it, it was a nerve wracking situation. One thing led to another, you know, everybody with family, close friends, we were all, you know, in this banquet room at, at the ESPN zone and watching it. Then I just, have to take a breather and step outside just to get some air, right. you know, just to go cool my head, chill out. And uh, I remember sitting outside and I was, um, my partner, Gavin Escobar, he got drafted. And I was like, yes, you know, I was excited. I said, okay, yeah, man, you know, that's my dog. I'm, I'm happy for him. Now, okay, now we're, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for my number. So, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, like, you know, processing it, you know, and again, no cause or whatever. My mom comes outside and then I'm sitting outside with, uh, I believe it was my dad. You know, me and my dad are sitting outside and the party is here inside for us. It's just like, we, but he's seen that I, I took a step outside. So I was outside. My mom came outside. She said, man, you know what? Come inside, you know, just just, just relax, you know, just just relax. Everything's going to work out, you know. So we go inside and she's like, let's go, let's let's go, uh, like, have a, go grab a, a plate, of um, some finger food and maybe grab a, it was like a, a mixed drink or a mixed cocktail. And then I was like, okay. It wasn't until where I got my mix, my my food, and then I was ordering a, a cocktail, and then 
my mom or my dad, no, my, my mom runs in and says, why are you not answering your phone? They trying to contact you. And I'm like, who's trying to contact you? It was Todd, it was Todd France. My agent was calling my mom, talking about Cleveland is trying to contact you, you know, to let you know that, the, you know, you're the pick. Right. So I'm like, what? So right as she's telling me that, my, my uh, phone is ringing. Boom. It was a, a 216 area code, right? Yeah, right. Uh, Cleveland called me. So, uh, Leon, hey, are you ready to be? A, I, I, are you ready to be a Cleveland Brown? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I had no idea that you guys were even <laughs> had any interest. Yeah, of course. Well, I'm gonna right. No, like, man, no. I, I was, and as I'm saying, like as I'm saying this, at the same time, as I'm saying this, we we get the we get the announcement on the TV, and then they go, you know, with the 68 picks, such as I said, oh man, yes. And it was a yes, I'm ready to be. And then they passed the phone around. You know, I talked to Ray Horton. I, I, I and I, at the time I was just ecstatic. You know, right. I looked up everything after I got off the phone. But at that time, I'm like, yes, sir. You know, I can't wait to work. This, I, this is my dream. You know, I'm 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 ready to go. So it was like a weight had been lifted off me. It, I felt like whew, it was a relief. But I was like, it, it, it's only the start. It's only the start. But it was like. Your number was called, and and you know, it was a humbling situation being the 68 pick. Like you, you could say you were the top hundred football players of this That's of right. this year. Yeah. So it was it, it was a it was a humbling, and it was a moment for me to take back, you know, and and look and reflect on really like you know post career is when I really reflected on the draft day, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, so, and it's yeah, funny. like, did you imagine, cuz back when they had 15 rounds and 17 rounds, somebody waiting? That long, man. I think about was that was that my yeah Gino yeah Gino he was waiting and he was, he was supposed to be a first day guy, yeah. And he was waiting there and, it went, and he went on what on the second day, but it was just like when you're sitting there waiting and waiting for your number to be called, it, it, it's nerve wracking. But it just took that moment to get my mind off of it to where I received that phone call, right? And it was a blessing. It it, it, it was a blessing. Yeah, it, it, everything happened for a reason. It was a timing deal, and I. I was ecstatic, you know. It, it was a, uh, it was really a moment. I'm not gonna lie. And I think the thing yeah. that a lot of people will pick up from the different conversations is usually the team that drafted you showed no interest in you whatsoever during the process. Take this out. The I on my whole process, I saw the Atlanta Falcons. You know, I saw them four or five times throughout the whole deal. They were whether it was at they talked to them at the combine. I uh, took a visit there. They flew out uh, to LA to do a workout. And they told me like they had this pick and that pick. And in that, that draft, they drafted two corners and those first two picks in the first and second round. And I was like, Oh man. Yeah. You know, respect. I knew the guys and it, it, I understood it was a business, but it was just like, damn, they told me one thing, they went another way. Like, right. ah, all right. But and no way in shape or form that I thought anything or talked to Cleveland throughout the whole process at all. So that that was a, a shock to get that call because I, I didn't talk to him whatsoever. Yeah, and it's crazy how that whole thing works out. And, yes, people, if you hear, hear me calling cuz, he is my blood cousin. So don't think I'm tripping or nothing. He is my blood relative. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Well, man, hey, I appreciate it, cuz. Uh, much love and uh, continued success in all your endeavors. And I appreciate you taking time out of your busy day.
appreciate you having me, man. And I, I'm hoping I'm hoping it turns out a, a great recording. Oh, very, very much so. Hey, at some point we'll get on. We'll talk a, a whole segment on the man, Leon McFadden, trendsetter. Got you. All right, I'm looking forward to that one. Don't forget yes, about it. Hey, never that, bro. <laughs> All right, man. Much love. All right. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. As we continue with conversations with Brent Draft Day Special, we come up to the 94th pick in the 2003 NFL Draft, the Buffalo Bills select linebacker, Angelo Crowell, Virginia. <laughs> Bills Mafia. What <laughs> was that day like, man? Oh, man. I mean, it actually was a dream come true to just make it to that day when your name could be potentially be called. Right. And so I, I, obviously I was going through that process and, you know, you go through all this training and, you know, this day finally comes, you look, look back. It's like, man, you know, how's the day going to kind of play out? So I would say I was, it was definitely a stressful day. Uh, you know, thinking about it, that's you know, a, a dream come true. It was like, who's going to actually take a chance, you know, on yeah. you. And so going through that process, had the day perfectly planned out, wake up, eat breakfast, you know, we're going to go out to the golf course and we found our way on the golf course around nine, 930, because I really wasn't projected to really be picked between, you know, the first first two rounds. Okay. And so that particular time, that's when that, that thing they went one through three, first, second, third rounds on the first day. So right. I knew I would go the first day. So I knew I had some time to burn. Wasn't necessarily going to be a top first round pick. Knew I could go, you know, second round. And so I ended up going middle of third round. And so I was like, I had a day plan. We go out and go play some golf for four and a half, five hours, come back to the hotel where my family is gathered and, you know, spend that time with them. And, you know, by the time we played golf, which I played horribly that day, had no concentration, you know, <laughs> just trying to take my mind off the game, play horrible. Right. And made our way back to the hotel with friends and family. And here it is. We're kind of like the top of the second round and you're kind of waiting on your name to be called and, you know, really just kind of hanging around. It's like, you know, who's really going to take that chance. But with the 94th pick, you know, the Buffalo Bills, you know, gave me a call and, you know, it was really a dream come true. You know, really tears came to my eyes. And, you know, luckily that day I had on red and blue. So I think I think it was meant to be, you know. Right. And, well, Buffalo Bills took that chance on me, man. So it was a great experience. Uh, dream come true for me, for me and my family both. And, Crow, I think a lot of people don't understand all the dynamics and everything that goes into a draft. I was talking to somebody and they said, like, this year, the only team who knows who they're going to pick is the Carolina Panthers. That's right. It. right. That, all it takes is one person to do something strange and it throws a whole draft off. Yep, exactly. I mean, the draft is definitely un un unpredictable. Um, and you, I mean, a lot of teams are reactive. You know, they, who they thought was going to be around may not be around. Right. And so the players that you, you've done your research on, uh, you know, those are, the, those are your uh, hidden jewels right there, hidden gems that you can find in the second, third round. You look, a lot of guys have been drafted you know, mid rounds or even late rounds, some of the careers they've had. So it's, it's a lot of jewels being out there. It's hidden. The team to do the research are the teams that come out on, uh, on upside. So it's an exciting time. Because I think when you listen to all the talking heads and all the so-called draft experts and pundits, they don't know no more than anybody else. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, everybody has their, you know, uh, analytical hat on and trying to analyze, you know, who's going to be the next who. Uh, but it really comes down to two things, really hard and passion. You know, these players got a lot of heart for the game, and they play it with passion. Uh, a lot of guys got a lot of talent, and they get on the right teams. You know, they, they can write their own path. 
Definitely. And, and we'll be talking to a couple of your former teammates. And I think one person that exemplifies that it doesn't matter where you drafted is London Fletcher. I mean, London went undrafted and his numbers are comparable to Ray Lewis and anybody else. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you look at London, the type of player he was, you know, how he even got a shot. You know, a lot of a lot of guys are very talented, but they don't even get the shot. But this guy is somebody who is remarkable, the shot he got and where he took it to in his career. You know, I think 60 years in the NFL, you know, leading tackler multiple years and just the heart and the passion. And more importantly, just the leader he is, um, the, the, the leader of men he's laid on, on many teams uh, just speaks volumes for him. Well, and i tell you something else that was impressive about Fletch is he only missed one play his whole entire career. Not games, not, not <laughs> one play his whole 15-year career. That, hey, that's impressive in itself. It is. It is. It's, it's a reason why they call him Iron Man, you know? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, man, I appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate it. And, uh, we want to tell anybody if they're in the Tallahassee area, check out Jersey Mike's. Where else you have Jersey Mike's at? The Florida, Georgia, Alabama. So, so, so we we out there. You know, great part of great brand, man. More importantly, man, we just make a difference in everybody's and in, in different people's lives every day. And that's the goal. Hey, and as long as we do that, the Father will be pleased, right? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Well, appreciate you, man. Give my love to the family, and I'll talk to you soon. Okay, Brad. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. As we continue the draft day special with the 228th pick in the 2003 NFL draft, the Buffalo Bills select linebacker Mario Higgins from Mississippi State. What was that day like? Uh, I tell you what, man, it was it was a day of joy, uh, a day of frustration, a day, a life changing day, a day of uh wanting to immediately get started and here's why because I, I felt like I was uh much more than a 228th pick yes, and I, at the time I, I I thought I should have been picked higher I saw some guys picked ahead of me that I thought I was better than not knowing the road I had ahead of me so yeah man that thing was uh, uh several emotions all at one time that I was able to overcome now, were you projected to go higher or because uh, I know and and talked about this with several other guys, you know, the pundits don't know no more than anybody else, but they, oh, he's going here. He's going there. He should be this round, that round. And nobody really knows. Yeah, well, going into the uh, senior, my senior bowl and uh, leading up to the draft, I kind of had a, 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 what I would call a, a rough senior bowl from a standpoint of understanding and picking up defenses. Prior to that, I was uh, projected, you know, second, third round pick maybe. And so I went to the senior bowl and, you know, had a, a little bit of a trouble picking up on uh, the scheme because I had never done it in college. Right. And so, yeah, I was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just one of those things. It had the physical stature, had everything necessary to play on that level. I just wasn't able to pick it up uh, in one week to show them that I was worthy of a, a higher draft pick. And right. and Brent, although, you know, that happened, I still had uh, teams call me during the draft, which was very, very frustrating. You know, <laughs> the Dallas Cowboys, uh, San Diego Chargers. Uh, we talk about the Cleveland Browns, who prior to a uh, week before the draft, 
came and worked me out like a <laughs> like a dog and, and and had me we got four picks we got rounds two through four we're looking for linebackers we're going to pick, pick two or three linebackers well they actually picked linebackers it just wasn't me <laughs> wow so it was tough yeah and i think that's the thing that i want people to take away from this because talking to a lot of different guys over this series you know people are like yeah we're going to take you with the next pick and then they don't take you and oh, we really like you or bring you in and we want to work you out. And then they take you through all these strenuous workouts and it's like, man, we ain't doing all that. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a very difficult process. I mean, at my career at Mississippi State was being an All-American linebacker, having uh, the success I had in Mississippi State and then going to the Senior Bowl. And I, I just think I remember Mel Kuyper after the Senior Bowl uh, had me, uh, you know, they have that meter of the guy that came in high and guys stopped and fell. And when I saw that, Brent, it just really just did something to me. And sure. I knew it that, yeah, it was it was a tough moment to see that, being one of the first guys invited to the senior bowl early uh, prior to my senior year. So seeing that and then going on draft day, still having a, a high draft projection and going through that first day not being picked. And at that time, you know, they only did round one through three the first day then four, five, six, and seven on the second day. And I, I, I simply remember getting at Miss Starkville. I had my, my mom with me. I had my girlfriend, who's now my wife, with me. And I just wanted a small group of people. Right. And <laughs> funny story, I saw a couple of guys get picked ahead of me, and I punched the wall <laughs> and out of frustration. <laughs> yeah, I did, man, I did, in my, in my college apartment. And I just <laughs> felt like, that. yeah, that I, I should have gone – Higher. I, I knew in my mind, and much respect to those guys who earned that right, uh, I knew in my mind that I was better than some of those guys, a lot of those guys that were picked ahead of me, and I was determined to play longer than them, and I actually did. I played, I think I was the 14th linebacker picked that year. Wow. I played longer and had a better career than nine, maybe eight or nine of those guys that were say, picked ahead of me. So I can't even think the 14 that maybe came out that year that were better than you. Absolutely not. But hey, who knows? You know how this thing goes. It's workout warriors. Sometimes the tape doesn't match up with the workout. Sometimes oh, it's where you get drafted. Sometimes the plays, the people, the coaches, the coaching changes, uh, the free agency that happens before you. And you and I both know my great friends, London Fletcher and Takeo Spike, both were ahead of me in Buffalo. Takeo signed the same year. And so that was something I had to fight going in there fighting for time. And, and I was blessed to play with those kind of guys. And so, yeah, man, it, it turned out great for me in the end. But right. draft day, leading up to the draft and all those things in front of the first opportunity to play for the Buffalo Bills, it was very, very frustrating. Well, I'm sure. So, as we all know, big Raiders fan, your name came up in a discussion uh, here recently. I was reading some stuff, and they was talking about what type of linebackers does uh, Josh McDaniels like. And they was talking about, I think he brought you in his first, well, he was only there a season and a half. But was Josh there when you went to Denver? Yeah, I was. I got I got to Denver prior to uh, uh, the season prior to Josh McDaniels okay. arriving. I got there under Shanahan. But they were doing a, a makeover at the position. And I was one of the guys that he kept and ended up becoming a full-time starter for uh, Denver over the next three years. Okay. So as a Raiders fan, you know, I have mixed reviews on Josh McDaniels right now. I feel like he's <laughs> trying to set up Patriots West. What, what, 
what's your take on Josh as far as a coach? I tell you what, one of the smartest coaches I've ever been around. And and well, when I got with him, when he came to Denver, I was more prepared as a player than I had ever been in my career. Okay. Like he he prepared his preparation, and you mentioned uh Patriot Way West. That's not a bad thing, right? He he holds guys accountable. He has a big accountability factor. He studies the game. He knows the game. He expects his players to know the game. He he holds them accountable. And again, man, we were well prepared. And I'll tell you, anytime we walked into a game, I he taught me how to study the game more. I think he added three to four more years to my uh my career resume. Okay. Th- that sounds weird to think with all the things that surrounded him. The only problem with Josh McDaniels, it was his first head coaching opportunity. He was not well aware of the clout that he didn't have at the time, right? And yes. so he wanted to come in and bring the Belichick way. Belichick had more of a proven resume, and so does Bill Parcells, and so does uh, 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 Coughlin and all those, Tom Coughlin and all those guys that come from that kind of tree. And I think that the Raiders got an opportunity with Josh McDaniel that they should embrace because I always said his next job would be his best job if they are patient with him. And I still believe that in him as a coach. I do because of the way he prepared and the way he learned. I felt like he learned from the first opportunity he had as a head coach in which I believe he was hesitant to take the next coaching job because he wanted it to be right. And Raider fans should, in my opinion, be very happy and very patient because it will pay off. Hey, well, you know, I've been a Raiders fan longer than I like to admit. So as a friend of yours, my brother, I'm going to take your word on that. I, I sure hope so, man. I, I'm really, I'm really cheering for Josh McDaniel, his success because he was a, a good coach to me. Uh, he was a young coach at the time, really learning the game. And I think that we get away from that. We forget that sometimes. Those first opportunities are not necessarily our, always our best. But you get a guy like him who is tremendously smart. And when I say tremendously smart and hold players accountable and know the game, if, if they get the right guys in that locker room the right guys to buy into what he is trying to do. When I, and I think it's moving in that direction that, that AFC West will have a, have, will be clocked and, and crowded again with the Raiders being, they been the up-tempo team uh, coming in. But they say the NFL is always better when the Raiders are relevant. <laughs> well, <laughs> are they really relevant right now? Are they? No, that's why I need that? them to be. I need them to yeah. be. Well, it, it would be fun. The city of Las Vegas doesn't need any more entertainment, but the Raiders will fit right in if they get to winning. Yes, definitely. Well, bro, I appreciate it, man. Uh, thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to chop it up with me and uh, continue success to you and the fam. Brent Miller, it's always a pleasure. Hey, and in case y'all didn't know, one of the best guys I've ever been around, Brent Miller. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. I'll send you your check in the mail. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Have a great day. All right, you too. Bye. All right, later. So, with the 215th pick in the 1987 NFL draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Solomon Wilcox, safety, Colorado. What was that day like for you, man? Well, it, you know, it was a long day because, you know, eighth round, and there's only seven rounds today, but it, it everything occurred on one day, so oh, wow. it was late. It was much later in the day, 
Um, and, you know, in those days, we didn't have cell phones, you know, not everyone didn't have cell phones. In fact, no one had a cell phone. <laughs> and right. so, but I, I remember at the University of Colorado, I had a couple of roommates. They didn't want to pay the phone bill. I was the guy that was in charge of collecting the money, paying bills, make sure the rent got paid. But, you know, it's hard to make sure the phone bill gets paid if they don't contribute. So right. I, I remember my my next door neighbor, the guy who had an apartment next door to me, what I would do is I would contribute to the payment of his bill and he allowed me to use his phone as my phone. Okay. And it was the only way people could get in touch with me. In fact, it was the reason why I had missed playing in the Senior Bowl, and the I was also had an invitation to, I think it was back then, it was called the uh, the uh, East-West uh, game or the North-South game. Yeah, there was a couple of other games. And so anyway, um, the call came to my, to my next-door neighbor's phone. His name was Cam Jones. And I'll just remember him calling out, and he called me Solomon. And I was like, yeah, I think I had taking a nap or something, or maybe had fallen asleep or something. And he was like, Cincinnati Bengals are on the phone. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, you know, so he kind of kind of spoiled the surprise a little bit, whatever. Right. But it was okay. I go, I get over, pick up the phone. It's Sam Weiss. I talk with him briefly. He puts Dick LeBeau on the phone, talk with him. And, uh, and then, you know, they put the secretary on the phone. Hey, you know, you got a mini camp to be at by the end of next week. So, oh, wow. It, 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 you know, so one minute you're just elated to know you were drafted. Right. Um, secondly, I didn't even know where Cincinnati was, to be honest with you. I'm a <laughs> California kid growing up on the West Coast. The furthest at that point that I had been, I had never been really east of the Mississippi River, to okay. be honest with you. And so um, had been to Colorado, had been to Oklahoma, been very close, you know, because we had played the University of Missouri. Um, and that's kind of right on uh, the right. river right there. Still a little bit west of it, right? I know my geography, right? So, <laughs> so you know, we weren't quite in St. Louis. But, I, you know, I, I immediately started to look. But I knew the team. You know, I had Boomer Esiason, Anthony Munoz, and Max Montoya were guys that I had really looked up to. I uh, having gone to USC and UCLA and uh, having followed their careers when I was like in in high school and junior high. So I was I was I was pretty uh, optimistic about what it meant to be a Cincinnati Bingo at that moment. That's awesome, man. Well, man, hey, I don't want to take up much of your time. We'll get another episode where we can dig into who Solomon is. But one last quick question. All the hype around your bus with Dion, what you feeling? Hey, look, people who really should get get to know Dion Sanders. I I know most people think they know who Primetime is, but Primetime and Dion Sanders are two different guys. Yes. And if you notice, he don't call himself Primetime anymore. He might call him Coach Prime or whatever. But he'll tell you if he was the – I would love for him to do that story, and one day I think he will, but it was that alter ego, and he'll tell you that Primetime nearly got Deion Sanders killed, you know, because he realized who he was and realized that that's not the man that he wanted to be. Today, he is a great father. He's a yes. giver, not a taker. He's a helper of other people. This is a guy that financed and paid out of his own pocket 
before he ever got to be a coach. He paid out of his own pocket at seven-on-seven leagues to help a lot of young people, to coach a lot of young people and help them realize their goals. He's always been that way. He was always a helper. Right. Uh, guy doesn't swear. He doesn't drink. He doesn't curse. He, he look, I mean, I could, I could speak for days who he really is. And right. most people aren't going to even believe me. But when he does at the University of Colorado, what he did at Jackson State, people start to listen, I think, even more. They'll start to dig deeper and want to find out who he really is. And once they find out, they'll find out he's a man of vision, he's a man of purpose, and that purpose is about helping other people. There is no better life to live than spend your life giving of yourself to help other people. And that's who he is. So that's that's why I believe our program is going to be all the better for it. Do you think he, he has aspirations to coach at the NFL level? You know, I think he's said no, he doesn't. Because at the end of the day, he's about helping young people. He don't, I don't know that he believes right now that the NFL is the best place to help young people. Because once they get that check, they think they don't need your help. You know, <laughs> they, they, they think I got all the answers and they really don't. He, I think he could still be beneficial in the NFL. And I, and look, that may change. You know, I think I, you know, I would ask him, don't, don't sell yourself short, leave that door open. But I, I think college football is where he wants to be because I think he believes he can impact more lives and, and fulfill that, that vision and that purpose at the collegiate level. And a lot of other coaches look and found that out too. You know, they, oh, yeah. they get to the NFL level and they say, you know what? What I have to do and what I have to offer young people is not appreciated here. And they go back to coaching in, in college and they do great things in college. Nick Saban was one of them. Yeah. Um, so, so, but I'll, I would leave the door open that Dion is a force multiplier. Wherever he goes, he can accomplish great things. But you know what we all learn in life is we can't do it by ourselves. We need help from other people. And if people are willing to help and we all can be aligned in getting that done, then Great things can happen, but the people are going to work against that and you find yourself swimming against the tide just to help other people. Right. You know, <laughs> it's like, you know why, why, why would I stay and fight against the tide and against the majority who, who, don't, who doesn't want this to happen? I, I totally understand what Solomon, I, I was about to call you Solly. That's what we used to call you, Solomon. <laughs> appreciate your time, man, and uh, much continued success in your broad fasting career uh always very intellectual very insightful so definitely appreciate you bro all right brent hey all the best to you thanks for having me hey my pleasure man have a great day all right bye-bye so as we go through our draft special you've heard people drafted in different rounds but the experts aren't always right my next guest was undrafted but arguably one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game fletch what's happening what's going on with you brent Hey, I'm good, man. Well, let me say, Mr. London Fletcher, the NFL's <laughs> Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. So what was, were you projected to be drafted or what was, what was the story on you uh, coming out of college? You know, it's, 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 my situation was kind of unique coming from a division three school playing middle linebacker. I was undersized and I played a division three school and I was undersized for the position that I played so I had a couple of knocks on me being 5'10", playing a Division three. They were questioning the competition. Now, the one thing that I did do, I dominated on that level. And 
that's one thing you need to do if you're going to play at a at a smaller smaller level or okay. a lower level, I should say, and also be undersized. I dominated. I, you know, I, I made. Um, I was all American for all the divisions outside of Division One A. First team All American. Mm -hmm. Did a lot of great things. I thought I was going to be drafted. Had a had some great pre draft workouts. Okay. Conversations. So I'm thinking. You know, in my mind, I'm like, man. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a third round there because I, I ran, you know, I was sub 4-4 in the 40-yard dash and, and pro, extremely productive. I'm thinking I'm going to get drafted. So in my mind, I thought I was going to be drafted. Right. So when that didn't happen, you know, you always hear of guys that maybe they didn't get drafted where they thought they were, so they have a chip on your shoulder. Did that put a chip on your shoulder or? Yeah, absolutely. You know, coming – I'm sitting there watching the draft back then. It was the weekend. It was Saturday, Sunday, and they did. I can't remember how many rounds on on Saturday, how many rounds on Sunday, but I, you know, I'm sitting there watching. I think it was first three rounds on Saturdays, the uh, four through seven on Sunday. Right. I'm sitting there watching, watching those those uh, rounds and all these different linebackers being taken. You know, our our friend Takeo Spikes seeing him get taken. Uh, Brian Simmons, who uh, you know, I know you 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 talk to, seeing those guys get drafted, and, and some of the other guys, all these names being called, and I'm like, man, okay, am I gonna be drafted? The Rams, they they call me in the seventh round. They had one more pick, and it's like, hey, London, if you're you're still there, we're gonna take you with that pick. And so I'm like, okay, getting excited, and man, they pick came up, and they took another linebacker. I was heartbroken. He took a an outside linebacker. And, so I'm like, oh shoot, drafts over. Okay, what am I gonna do now? And they uh they wanted me to come in as a as a undrafted guy, you know, to uh, to their to their camp and things like that. So I I definitely went into that mini camp with a chip on my shoulder right. because I felt like I should have been drafted. And I'm sitting there sitting there watching all those guys get taken ahead of me. And I, so I I had a, a major chip on my shoulder. I had a boulder. Oh, I'm I'm sure, but as we say, it's starting out. A lot of these people don't know anything because when it's all said and done, you played what 15 years? 16 years. 16, 16 years. Yep. Only missed one play of a game. Yeah. I've seen. Never missed a, a game, just one play. Well, not one play. I, I only I didn't start one game out of my last uh my last 15 seasons. I started all every single game except one game, and it's crazy. The play you're talking the the one play is we playing the Carolina Panthers, and I wasn't playing nickel. I wasn't playing dime defense when they just okay. had one one linebacker on the field. I was playing nickel, but the uh, Panthers came out in four wide receiver set, and typically we would start the game. I still had two linebackers on the game on the on the field, and this particular time they decided to start our dime defense and I was like man I'm about to uh not start a game because of this this uh this formate this personnel group and I came in the very next play so oh, I, wow. I really started 15 consecutive years <laughs> well and, and that's the thing man and uh you know I've known you for a while but did a little research and one thing I found interesting a lot of people were comparing you to Ray Lewis in the fact of how is he in the Hall of Fame and not you? And I know you, you're you just do what you do. You're you just humble like that. And yeah, we all would like some point of recognition, but they people were saying it was crazy that you didn't make you made what one Pro Bowl, I think. 
Uh, four. Made, four. four. Yep. And they said then you was voted to the all-decade team, and you won a championship because usually the knock is, oh, they didn't win a championship. You won a championship. Yeah. Yep. You, NFL's Ironman, 15 seasons, averaged over 100 tackles all the way up until, what, your last season? And it's like, how's this guy not in the Hall of Fame conversation? Yeah, that's that's the million-dollar question. You know, with Ray, he's arguably one of the greatest, if not the 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 greatest middle linebacker to ever play the game and arguably one of the greatest linebackers to ever play the game. And just from a norm, a number standpoint, our numbers are very similar mm-hmm. production. You know, he, he, um, he did a lot of great things, made it, made it a lot more pro bowls, had the defensive player of the year. I don't know if he, I don't know if he won one or two, Thank but just won. from a production standpoint, I, I did uh, just as, as much on the football field as he did. And I'm not saying, hey, I should have been a first battle Hall of Famer, but I should be in the Hall of Fame by now. This is my – I just went through my, I think, fourth or fifth year on the ballot. I can't re- remember. I think it's okay. fourth year. And I finally made the semifinals list. And, you know, inching my way towards it, but I, I felt like I should already be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Well, and and there's a lot of people that would agree with you. Well, man, I just want to thank you for the time and, and for being a – true testament of it's not where you start is how you finish because yeah. being drafted playing as long as you did as productive as you did and just you know man it's i think it's what you believe within yourself like you said they said you were undersized you didn't play at the level of competition and all this and at the end of the day football is football yeah yeah absolutely and that's you know t- there's gonna be a lot of guys that are disappointed with where they get drafted after, you know, this uh, upcoming draft. If, if you're not number one, you all, everybody's, hey, feel like they should have went higher. Or they, you know, some guys have become free agents and, and not make get drafted at all. And it's really what you do from that moment, whether you're drafted or not drafted, it's once you get in on that team and what do you do once you're in the NFL? Right. You know, how you how you prepare, the, the, your mindset, how you take care of yourself, how you become a pro, because it's everybody, just because you're in the NFL doesn't mean you're pro, you know, and that's, that's going to be key to how long you play, how well you play, what type of career you have, how much money you make, all those types of things. Once you, what you do, once you are a professional football player, how you handle yourself. So, you know, my, my thing, I would tell those guys, all right, it's not where you start. Like you said, it's where you finish and what you do once you get into the league. Yeah. And I think one thing they did that I I think really helps out is that those first contracts are slated. Because I remember right before they changed it, it was a quarterback to the Rams. He got paid. (laughs) They hardly even play. Yeah. I know them owners like, oh, no, we can't have this. So now it doesn't matter because that second contract is where you can make your bag. So no matter where you get picked. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's, if you go in there thinking only about the money, you're gonna lose. You're not there. I don't think you're gonna play as well as you can. If you just focus on just being the best football player you can be, being the best teammate, being coachable, doing all the little things right, the money will find you. Yeah. If you do those things and don't be caught up in, hey, I want to get get paid. Everybody wants to make money, but just. Focus on being the best football player you can be 
the best team may be in coachable, doing attention to details and doing all the things the right way, you'll you'll make a lot of money. Definitely. And before I let you go, if an undrafted player called you up and be like, man, I thought I was going to get drafted, I have to sign as a free agent, what would you tell them? And you just mentioned a few things about being coachable, working hard, but what's something else that you would tell them? Well, I tell them, you know, first and foremost, you're going to have to figure out a way to, to excel on special teams, first and foremost. And some of these guys, if you were a top-notch guy for your your college, whether it's offense or defense, you may not have played a lot of special teams. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to embrace that role, embrace going and showing these coaches, hey, you can perform on special teams. That's the easiest way to make a football team as a as an undrafted rookie. Or even if you're a later, later round draft pick, you're going to have to show that you can play on special teams first and foremost. And with that, now you'll, you'll get an opportunity in practice to show you can play at, a, at that particular position that you play. But you're, you're the first and foremost thing, embrace the special teams aspect, go out and shine on the, in those areas. Then when you get your opportunities at the position groups, um, you know, excel, show them that you can play a position. Good deal. Well, Fletch, man, greatly appreciate your time and um, continued success on that golf course. <laughs> I appreciate you, Brett. Yes, sir. Well, have a great day, bro. All right, man. You All too. Right. Later. Yeah. Later.